I was thinking, preparing for this message today, isn't it amazing the technological advances that have been made in our lifetime? Many of us uh, can expect not to die at an early age. Many will far even outlive their own parents, that's for sure. Though many are happy, maybe about the uh, quantity of their life, there's a concern about the quality of their life that they're living. There's a concern that while... We can expect perhaps, Lord willing, to live a long life. There's a concern about the quality of the life we are in right now. That just living longer doesn't give you a good life. How many of you know that? Just living longer doesn't give you a good life. Just adding three, four, five, six, ten more years to your life doesn't mean you are going to be a happier person. That's true. That's for sure. I don't know about you, but I'd rather go to heaven and be healthy than to stay on earth and be a burden. How many of you are with me, right? You know, that's true. I want to, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting in our kitchen and talking to our kids. We were there as a family and, you know, life, you know, we were talking about that. I asked my kids, which one of you are going to change my Depends diapers when I can't change them for myself? And they're all, then nobody knew how to answer that. Dad, don't talk like that. But, you know, seriously, that's the things we think many times. Am I right? The older we get, okay? So yes, that's something that as you go along in life, but how many of you know that we should live long, but we want to live long well? Amen? That it's not just about quantity in the life that we live. It's more than that. It's the quality of the life that we live. And when First John, when John wrote First John, he had a similar concern. He was writing to a group of Christians who are going to live a long time. They have eternal life. That's what he's speaking. He's over them. He's telling them. He's speaking into them in 1 John. He's not writing this to people that are hellbound inside of this. He's writing it to saints, but more importantly, to spiritual offspring. Every person in the sound of my voice says, who has trusted and placed faith alone in Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins has eternal life. And we don't have to wonder about that Longevity has been promised to every believer in Jesus Christ today. John knew that it's possible to have longevity of life without quality of life. He, he understood that's possible, this is possible for every single one of us to be on your way to heaven and hate the trip going there. He knows it's possible for every single one of us to be forgiven of our sins, to know what that's like and not enjoy fellowship with the Father in heaven. This is a book, 1 John, that's written on how to enjoy the trip before we even get to heaven. This is to the degree that I want you to understand that you experience intimate fellowship with God is to the degree that you have the joy of everlasting life that you possess while you're on this earth. God doesn't want you coming to heaven in a spiritual wheelchair. How many of you are with me today? God doesn't want any of us coming to heaven in a spiritual wheelchair. Our whole life lived that way. This is the same John of the Gospel of John that said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you how? More abundantly. St. John was written to tell you how to get this life. First John was written to tell you how to get it more abundantly. I don't know about you, but I want to live more abundantly in him. Amen? Because it's a promise that he said we could have. So I've titled this message, First John, 
then me. Can you say that? First John, then me. He's led the way by writing this, and we're going to see in just a moment by living this. And so how should we follow suit? My challenge is that you would read every chapter through this book as we go through it in the next five weeks and read it until the truth of this grips your soul down deep. Because the theme of this book is fellowship. If you look at verse 3, 1 John, I'll come back to verse 1 in a moment. But he says as what we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. Number one, the meaning of fellowship. That word fellowship, you've probably heard many times, is the word koinonia. It's meant to have something shared or have something in common. It is a joint partnership that takes place that they have in common. Fellowship is a joint partnership. You can have a relationship and not have fellowship. How many of you are following with me? You can have a relationship and not have fellowship. Just ask most of the couples, the married couples that you know. They will be able to validate what I'm talking about. Every married couple has a relationship, but not every married couple all the time has enjoyed fellowship. If you, if you ever have a couple tell you, oh, you know, you know, we, we, you know we've never had this broken. We've not, they, well, there are people that probably aren't married, I'll tell you that, because there are disagreements and there are disappointments because fellowship has been broken some way, somehow along the line, that there are people that are hitched but not happy being hitched about it. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you and I then are legally bound to God through justification But how many of you know that God doesn't want you to be married to him on paper? He wants you to be married to him in relationship. He wants you to be glad to come home. There are places that, many places in our world of pseudo or in the day we live, fake fellowship. This word fake, that fake fellowship in that place, one of those amongst the many is called happy hour. When a bar offers happy hour, it's between the time you leave work and the time you need to be home. And so they're trying to foster something inside of you. They, they know people need fellowship. They need connection. They need relationship. This is why First John is writing this, that you and I need a connectedness with God. We have to understand something about God. God is a relational person God has never been by himself a day in his life. And when I say his life, there's never been a time when he hasn't lived. So he has never known aloneness. Our Father in heaven has never known aloneness. God lives in the company of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they are in love with each other. They are passionate about one another. This is what made the cross so difficult because there was broken fellowship that took place. This is how God sets up his whole universe, though. Packs of wolves, schools of fish, swarms of bees. That's why he's created family where relationships, they can become intimate. That's why you've heard us talk about HOV lanes, and many of you travel on them during the week, that you will get there faster in an HOV lane. They want you to go down the highway in Koinonia on the high way to heaven. He wants you to travel with him and with other people. He wants there to be intimate 
meaningful connectedness between you and him. He wants you to enjoy the trip and not hate coming home. And verse one and three talks about, number two, the messengers of relationship, that, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Verse three, probably the most important thing in this series, John is saying what we're gonna talk about in the book of 1 John is not secondhand information. This is not repeated from someone else. This is not gossip. He's saying to the second generation that never got to see Jesus, I was there. He said, I was there. First John's concern is that we enter into the life that was from the beginning. That's what he goes back to time and time again. John was saying, I was there on the mount when Jesus preached. I saw the miracle of blind Bartimaeus. He didn't need bifocals. He didn't need a television screen. This thing that I'm talking about, he said, is real because I was there. My hands also touched it. I knew it. Now, if you want to know if the tomb was empty, John's saying, listen, I was there. I outran Peter, and I got there. And I'm going to tell you something. It was empty. What was from the beginning? The life. That's what he's talking about. Life, the life, the life is what he's talking about. Why did he need to even write the book? Because of false teachers who had gotten into the church, who had confused the saints. And when the saints got confused, Jesus was no longer real to them. Talk more about that next week. You're not going to want to miss it. John is saying to the second generation of believers, trust in the 21st century believers, that the same life that he has is able to be experienced today. My prayer for you today as we go through this series and we come through this series that Jesus should be more real to you than ever before and that is by hanging out with John because he had been there. There are too many people hanging out with the wrong people that are getting wrong information. You gotta hang out with the right people to get the right information. Why is this important? Because God will only fellowship with the truth. Are you with me? Say amen. God will only fellowship with the truth. That's true. What John is saying is that Jesus, this Jesus that we serve of the first century can be just as real to you today in this century. So we have the meaning. The second is the messenger of fellowship. Third, we have the manifestation of fellowship. Verse two, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was from the Father, now is manifested to us. To manifest means to bring forth in a visible fashion, that you are able to see it. Manifest means it comes to, to light. You see it. In the Gospel of John, we beheld his glory, the Bible said. It, was, it wasn't a secret. Well, how do you know he was the Son of God? Well, he's up there turning Moby Dick sandwiches to feed the 5,000. We know he's the son of God. We know that. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, that is the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Do you, do, do you know when Jesus will be real to you? When he manifests himself. Like when a preacher says, can I get a witness? You been there? I mean, I mean, that's meaning, is there anybody out there who's going through it and knows what God can do? Can I get a witness? Amen. Because you, you, why? 
that you know God in a powerful and a personal way because he showed up in your personal scenario and your experience and he showed himself strong. So when you hear a preacher say, can I get a witness? It's not for the preacher. It's for the Lord Jesus Christ to receive all the glory. Can I get a witness church today? Amen. That's what we're saying. It's about to him be the praise and the glory. I know him personally because he showed up in my experience. That's important. That's how he can be real. He manifests himself. Now, listen, if you look at this, John wanted, uh, wanted Jesus to be manifested in us, not just talked about or written about, but visible. Verse 4, that your joy may be what? Full. How do you know that joy was manifested? Let me see. How do you know in your personal life? Well, some pregnant women I know throw up, but that doesn't take away the joy of life. Some have trouble sleeping, that that doesn't take away the joy of the new life that is yet to come. Some, some have trouble walking, but that doesn't take away the joy of their new life. How many of you are with me, women, in this place? Amen. You're the only one that knows how to experience that. You've been there, right? You say that through that, it's important to know when life is manifested, it overrides the inconveniences that you and I have to go through on a daily basis. Amen? So many people are living underneath their circumstances today and their joy isn't even full. They allow them circumstances to dictate the joy. No, he says, your joy may be full because my life has been manifested inside of you that no matter what you are going through today, sir or ma'am, your joy can be full despite your circumstances. That's powerful. He said that your joy may be full. You see that manifest. How can we have intimate fellowship with Jesus Christ who is not physically here, how does he become real? How does it come off the page of the Bible and be part of our experience as a believer? This is what he writes in verses five through 10 and delivers point four, message, the message of fellowship. Verse five, this is the message which we have heard from him, which we have heard from him, and we declare. 2017, we said our theme for this church is the word declare. Can you say that word with me? Declare to you. God told us, God told us this, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. What John wants us to understand is before you can have intimate fellowship with God, you have to have a basic understanding of who God is. A faulty view of God will always lead to a faulty experience of intimacy. That's fake intimacy. The worst thing you can do is have a wrong view of God. So before you get intimate, let's find out about this person. In fact, he wants to zero in on one fundamental characteristic. This is the message. God is light. He doesn't like light. He is light. In case you do not understand, let me give you a little part, look at this in the negative side of light. No darkness, then he tags at all or none. There is no darkness at all. Your version may say none. Most would like it if there was a little darkness in God. You know how much better you feel or we feel when you, when you hold somebody in high regard, you find out something is wrong with them so you don't have to feel so bad about you, Right? 
I mean, if you can diminish something, you don't have to feel too bad about the dark spots in your life. John is about ready to dispel that. He says, if you're looking for dark spots in God, you're going to be looking a long time. For God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. In other words, you can't have fellowship with God and create your own definition of who he is. That's what I love about Scripture. It's here to set us straight. Many times we come and try to bring our own definition of who God is. And John says, no, I'm going to tell you about God who is light. And there's not a bit of darkness inside of him. God is absolute light. The Bible says God dwells in unapproachable light. Light is one of the fundamental definitions of God. In fact, the Bible says when you and I get to heaven, there will be no need for sun, for God himself will provide the light. It will emanate out of who he is. He is so illuminating by nature that sunshine won't even be needed in heaven. What is this thing called light? Well, light does one fundamental thing that can be good or bad. Light exposes Because of the light you see, God reveals and God exposes. One thing that you and I have never observed is dirty light. The light, though, will show you other things that are dirty, but you've never seen dirty light. The light is not impure. It's what it is shining on that is. It's why the Bible says men don't like light, but prefer darkness because they want evil hidden. The killer last week in Las Vegas went to the 32nd floor and he was there at night shooting out. He wanted it to be done in the cover of night so that he wouldn't be seen. And the Bible says men, this is a general term for men and women, why the Bible says men don't like light but prefer darkness because they want evil hidden. If you want to have fellowship with God, we must be willing to have it on God's terms. How many of you are with me? His terms. God is not negotiating fellowship. That is, this is not God saying, let's make a deal. God says, if you have fellowship with me, God, let me tell you something about me. Ever done that in a relationship? You're just getting to know somebody. Before we get started, let me tell you something about me. They are informing you up front to decide if you want a friendship with them or not. But there's something that God says and shows we have a show and tell God. If we say I want fellowship with God but want darkness, God says you can't have fellowship with me. How many of you know roaches don't like the light? Right? That's my wording, roaches don't like. It's not in the Bible. Don't look in the Bible. (laughs) Roaches, right? Chris and I a few years ago were at a restaurant and we went there, we went in, the lights were dim, got in, sat at our booth, sat down, the lights came up a little bit, we had already started eating, I looked on the wall right here, there was a roach, cockroach, right? I mean, as the light goes up, it scurries away. Roaches don't like the light. They don't like it. They don't want to be seen, they want to be hidden, they want to be in, in the dark doing what they do. To deal with God is to deal with the light. With God, there is no nighttime. If you say, well, I can can buy that, but how do I get close to him? Verse 6 and 7, this is a very teaching part. I don't want you to necessarily feel good about it, but I want you to understand it. Verse 6, if we say, so that means we're opening our mouth. Is that right? If we 
say, to say something, we have opened our mouth, we have spoken it forward, he's saying, we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. He wants you, what he wants us to know is that fellowship is validated by walk, not talk. That is how our fellowship with the Father works. He says, what I want you to know is in my relationship with you, the fellowship we have with one another is not about your talk. Talk's important, but it's not as important as your walk before me. It's easy to be long on lip and short in life. If we say we walk in darkness, we lie and are not doing the truth. Why is he saying this? If you're walking in darkness, you're not where God is. You're in another room in the house. We lose touch with God, fellowship, when we're not where God is, which is in the light. Light reveals and darkness conceals. If you leave the light, God is not going to join you in the darkness. That's asking God to come down to you rather than, than uh, you staying with him. Now, the word walking in Scripture, if you look it up, is used of a pattern or a course of life. It is actually a direction. What determines if you're walking in darkness? Simple. The light reveals you walk in darkness when you want to shadow yourself from the illumination of God in your life. That is a hide-and-seek relationship that many have with Christ. They hide and seek. They hide and seek from God's exposure rather than walking in the light. You're walking in the darkness, and that comes by, God, you know, don't mess with me on that. I, I know you revealed that, and, but, you know, don't convict me, God, on that and, and all of that. When a sermon or a scripture makes you uncomfortable, it means you're in the light. When you hide from that, now you are in the darkness because you don't want the unveiling of the light of his truth. You justify your darkness, and every person Every person has justified their darkness somewhere in their life. When you walk in the door, this is one of the great works of the Holy Spirit, one of the great works of the Holy Spirit, and you and I can't even see it, but it is to uncover you and me. When we walk in here on Sunday morning, that, that the Holy Spirit's job is to uncover, to shine light, to reveal where we are at in our relationship with the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit, and he is here to unveil and uncover us. So it's so important. I don't know about you, but there's hardly, hardly a time that I can go into the Lord's presence, whether it's Sunday morning or it's during the week or whatever it may be, that the work of God through the Holy Spirit is revealing things to John that I have done that I shouldn't have done the thoughts that I thought, the things that I said. What do you do with that revelation determines which way you're walking? Verse 8, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. That's great. Remember, fellowship, to share something in common. What kind of light is God in? It is no darkness at all kind of light. It does not say if we walk according to the light, because let me tell you somebody, something right now, nobody can walk according to the light because God's light is perfection, right? But God wants us to walk in the light 
in the light. He wants us to hold in common the fact that he is not only the light, but that he operates in the realm of light. God is light and God is lit, right? When you walk into a dark room and you ask somebody, please turn on the light, you don't become the light bulb. You are now in the light. What's the difference from the moment that the light was on to the light was off to the light was on? Simply, you couldn't see before and now you can see. That's the beautiful thing about coming into the presence of the Lord. God, I open up my inner person to you. And God, good, bad, or ugly, so that you can expose the darkness in me. See, that is part and foundational to the fellowship that we have with the Father. And it's not there to embarrass us. It's there to uncover and reveal the love of the Father that he wants fellowship and he loves us so very much that he will reveal that. God does not join us, though, in the dark room. A God inside of me, confirm the good and reveal the bad and show me the ugly parts of me. Now, when you turn on a light in a room, it doesn't just show you, just you by yourself. It shows everything in the room, right? I mean, you snap the light on, the whole room is illuminated. So, so it's everything that's taken into consideration. It's now you giving him full rights to your life. And it comes in one powerful statement. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the present tense, cleanses us from all sin. Here's the question. When is the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us from all sin? When we are walking in the light. It is only in the light when you see it. If God is not exposing anything wrong in your life, it's because you were not in the light. It's only in the light that you and I can see it, and that's when the blood of Jesus Christ is faithful doing what it's called to do, and then you understand fellowship because you and God are hanging out in the same room. You ever gotten up in the night, see that you couldn't even see the edge of the bed, and your pinky toe. I'm talking about your pinky toe now. You know what I'm talking about. You catch that on the edge and the bottom of the bed, and boy, does that hurt. And you're trying to be quiet. But sometimes you scream. Now my daughter Kyra, yesterday, she, she, I said, you're going to blow my illustration. She was in the house yesterday, and it was light outside, and she still caught her pinky toe on the furniture walking. I said, Girl, that happened in the light. You did that. I'm talking about the darkness when we're talking about that. Everybody's experienced that sometime or another. We've hit a body part on a piece of bed or a furniture, and it hurts, right? Why? Because you didn't turn on the light. Then you understand if you come to this, that when we walk in the light, we have fellowship. You understand fellowship because you and God, you understand then are coming together. You share something in common and the cleansing then is automatic. And this is sanctification at this point. The sanctification and work of Jesus. Verse eight, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What is he saying? He said, you're in the darkest kind of darkness at this point. So much so 
that you said there's no darkness in you, that means the truth isn't in you. If you were in the darkest kind of darkness, see, unless you're perfect, there's always something wrong. I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. God is always exposing something wrong because the more he can expose it, the closer he can get to you and to me. Then he comes to our favorite verse that we know so very well. It says this, if, whoa, 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 whoa. we don't even go to the second word, if, if maybe you will and maybe you won't. That's a big if. He didn't say then. He said if. If you will, maybe you won't. If we confess our sins, that's a, that's a plural, S. The word confess here means to say the same thing. When God exposes something in your daily walk, it's like show me who I am in your presence. He says, what I want you to do is agree with me in what you saw. Wait a minute, the light was on for a reason so that I could see it. He said, it's not just knowing it. He said, I want you to agree with me that you saw it, that something is out of place. Something is not right. Something that is not righteous. He says, don't excuse it or act like it never happened. But he goes on to say, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some. He said all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Not some. He said, I'll cleanse you of everything. There's a beautiful thing inside of that that we have to realize. You know? Because... It, let me just, let's just say I walked up here today and on my pants that are lighter color, there was a huge stain on it. There's a huge stain and I'm sitting here speaking and talking to you and you're probably at some point or some of you would just dwell on that the whole time. Like what, what did John spill on himself? I mean, what is that thing? That, what, what's, what's going on there? I mean, you know, at some point, you're going to be like, it's just standing out. It's, you know, you've done it before. You've spilled something on you. Sometimes maybe you had to get up and speak in front of people or, or do something. And, and so why? Why is this so important? The stain on you will distract you from the whole point. Fellowship. Like, God, if I've done anything this week, you ever prayed that prayer? What do you mean if you've done anything this week? Uh, that's, not, that's, not, that's not the question. God, if I've done anything this week, that's not even the statement that we should go through. What do you mean if we've done anything? There are sins that we have committed, that we have done, and we knowingly did it, and there's sins that we left out, that word omitted. But the beautiful thing about the Lord is, he says, if you confess what you know, my blood will cleanse what you don't know. That is the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I will cleanse those things you didn't even know. Those things we did this last week, we didn't even know we sinned, and we did. Others, we did know what we did, and I pray that we would have asked for forgiveness of that, made our relationship with the Father right. How many of you know it doesn't have anything to do with how you feel, but with how faithful God is? 
I love Jeannie Mayo last week talking about feelings. Yeah, they're important, but she's more importantly is where's your faith in it? That it would not override and say, oh, my feelings are more important than anything else. No, he is faithful to forgive your sin and just the sin you confessed and to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We can't put our sin on somebody else and that's very easy to do. They made me do it. They made me do it. They did it. They brought it out. of. Nope, nobody made you do that. The devil didn't even make you do it. You did it yourself. He said, no. He said, inside of this, he said, uh, you know what? No, you did it yourself. I don't know about you, but I'm not big enough to call God a liar. How about you? God wants to have fellowship. That, that's the point. When the prodigal son ran away, the father did not go into the pig pen to get him back. When the son came to his senses, that's the word, when he saw the light, he began to make his way back to the father and said, Father, I have sinned. What, what did the father do? Get the food, get the ring, kill the fatted calf, get the robe, let's have a party because my son is home and he has seen the light. That is the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the beauty of our father in heaven today that if you're living a life that is not in the light, today you can come and you can confess your sin. And the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. But you got to come into the light. You can't keep hiding out in the dark places and expecting to have fellowship with the Father. You know that feeling when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you and your heart starts beating faster and faster and faster. Don't deny the work of the Holy Spirit in you because God wants to have fellowship with you. God, that's the point, the fellowship. When the prodigal son, we see this, there are prodigal sons and daughters in this place. You've come back to the Lord and he would say to you today, if you today are in sin in this room and you would come and you would come and stand in the light, the father would do the same thing. Kill the fatted calf, get the ring in the robe, let's have a party because my son or daughter is home and they have seen the light. If you want intimacy with God, it's only where the light is. And when you have that kind of intimacy, you have the joy of the Lord that you have been looking for that this world, sir or ma'am, that you've been looking for it in a person. You've been looking for it in a relationship. You've been looking for it in a marriage. You've been looking for it in somebody else, in something else. Nothing can satisfy you but God today. That's the fellowship that he wants to have with you. Years back, um, Dr. Wayne Lee has spoken into my life. Many of you won't know him, but he, I've uh, done a lot of my studies with him. He's a godly man. He came a number of years ago and he consulted the church, brought consultants as we're just trying to say, hey, we want our church to be all that God's called us to be. Help us see the things we can't see. We, we got blinders on. We need a consultant here to help us. And one of the things that, you know, Dr. Lee said when he was here, and I want to share with you because sometimes you don't hear prophetic words. You may hear them when it's in the congregational setting, but you don't hear them when they're behind closed doors. But one of the things Dr. Wayne Lee had told me is that he said, 
A few months before that, he was doing some consulting work in Germany. And God woke him out of bed, shook him out of bed one night to the point he could not sleep. And he got on his knees and he prayed. And God showed him dark days are coming to America. Dark days are coming to America. He said, I am raising up regional centers of light that will come forth and shine in the darkest evil. As he came here and he spoke, he, that was one of the words that he spoke into us is that he said, John, this church, the Lord has showed me and we can judge that word and we believe that word is right on, but that this church, Abundant Life Church in Stephen City, Virginia, is supposed to be a regional center of light to those that are in the darkest darkness. Amen? That you and I would rise to that with the Lord's help to be a regional center of light to those that are lost and those that are in darkness and those that are in evil today. That's what God's called us to be. Let's start living it and doing it for his kingdom.